Hey, it's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. Profiteering off Biden's administration and their open borders policy. That is what is on the table with my guest, Michael Cutler, retired senior special agent of the former INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service, and profiteering, the money incentive, no matter what we talk about in life, there's always someone, it seems, who profiteers off the policies of politicians because it makes sense. So, Michael... Your latest piece in Front Page Mag goes through this, and, and I found some, well, frankly, dark realities well written out in here. So I want to walk Thank through you. a number of these with you, but I want to start with something, Michael, that doesn't get talked about a lot. You point out a report from Vice World News on ransom payments and money transfers in eight different kidnapping cases from 2014 through January of this year. This money flows through U.S. companies, mostly through Western Union and MoneyGram, Walmart and RIA, one of the lesser-known companies. And I didn't realize how bad this was because express kidnappings became a thing a long time ago in Mexico City and other cities south of the border. What's going on here? What's the profiteering component? What does it mean in terms of dollars? Well, let's look at immigration. By the way, thank you for having me. Thank you for covering the story because it it gives me grief on a scale you can't imagine. You know, I enforced those laws for 30 years. Um, And I came to the unhappy conclusion that I want everyone to answer a, a, a first question and to lead us right into where we are. Yes or no, is the immigration system broken? Let's start with that fundamental question. Do you believe the immigration system is broken? Yes. No. You see, we're looking at it backwards. The immigration system has morphed from a law enforcement system that is supposed to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. That's what's in the law. Title 8, United States Code, Section 1182. Who are we supposed to keep out? has absolutely nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. If it did, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. It's about keeping out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, certainly an issue today with COVID, aliens who suffer severe mental illness or criminals, terrorists, spies, human traffickers, drug smugglers, and then we get to aliens who would become a public charge or if they work with displaced American workers. Who could argue with that? So, I, no, I, I see. I see your point that what's written and what is there to be followed is not broken. So, okay, we agree on that. I look at it as broken in the way it's being applied. But you know, ah, I take your point on that. It's become a delivery system. That's the problem, because too many people want that flood of number one cheap labor, number two unlimited foreign tourists. That's why Reagan started the visa waiver program. Um, number three. Um, um, an unlimited number of foreign students. We've been educating our adversaries, China and so forth, by the hundreds of thousands. And here's the kicker. It's an unlimited um, possibility of clients for immigration law firms on both sides of the aisle. So when you look at it that way, and you look at the illegal activities that result in money flowing out of the United States, El Chapo Guzman, the most prolific and violent Mexican drug leader, was prosecuted in the Eastern District of New York, ironically, just a few blocks from Chuck Schumer's house. Think about that. 
Now, why was he prosecuted in New York? Because Roosevelt Avenue became drug central to the Mexican cartel. And if you go down Roosevelt Avenue in, in, in New York City, in Jackson Heights, what you see on every block are money wire services, sometimes three or four on one block. And this is pure supply and demand. And big flash and neon signs advertising, they're open 24-7. Imagine, who's going to wake up at 3 in the morning and say, gee whiz, i got to send my paycheck home to my family. Most of the people walking in at 3 in the morning are consummating drug deals. So they are a silent partner. When Tom Tancredo said, you know what, he was at the time chairman of the House Immigration Reform Caucus. I testified for Tom's caucus about six weeks after 9-11, and I was notified a, week, a, a day later that because of my leg injury, I was no longer an agent. Think of that timing. So Tancredo said, we need to tax the remittances, the money flowing out of the United States to Mexico. Immediately, Charlie Fote, who at the time was the CEO of First Data Corporation, which was the parent to Western Union, they were headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Immediately, they moved their company to Colorado. They started a political action committee to go after Tancredo for daring to suggest that we tax money being wired out of the United States. Right, That's and First really Data, who, on. by the way, can we just tell people who they are? This is one of the largest, if not still the largest, processing company, whether it's credit card, debit card, money transfer. Yep. They're a financial processor in the United States, big operation in Florida as well. So, you know, this again, this this question, uh, Michael, as we saw talking as we're talking about the money, the profiteering here. And why don't you see commercials about drugs the way we did with cigarettes? You know, I'm living in the house that my parents bought when I was 11. I remember I used to have to come out with a broom and sweep up cigarette butts when I was a kid, keep the sidewalk nice and clean, and then I would hose it down starting when I was about 12 or 13. I almost never see cigarette butts. Why? People stopped smoking. Why? Because the campaign against smoking was very effective. Why don't we see a comparable campaign about the drug trafficking? I would argue it's because too many people are making too much money off of human suffering and death. Last year, over 70,000 people died of opiate overdoses. So we're losing money. And then when Donald Trump said, let's put up the wall, who's going to pay for the wall? Well, wait a moment. Actually, Mexico did pay for the wall. When you put insulation in your house, doesn't insulation pay for itself? It reduces your heating costs. It reduces your air conditioning costs. Over time, it pays for itself. The Mexican border wall is insulation, not unlike the insulation in your house, that not only insulates us from, the, from money leaving the country, but from crime and corruption coming across the border. That's why the border wall was important. And it's interesting that Joe Biden says, if you want a secure border, we're going to put technology on the border. We know that technology doesn't work unless you have agents to back it up. Technology is a way of putting money into the pockets of the companies that make the technology um, not so effective. In fact, at one point, there was a study then that said that drones were involved in fewer than one half of 1% of all Border Patrol arrests. What is effective is a border wall that, by the way, is not designed to stop anybody from entering the United States. Uh, Donald Trump needed to make the point. If the border wall blocked off ports of entry, then they would be right. We're blocking off people. But it doesn't. I compare the wall on the border to the velvet rope at the bank that guides customers to the next available teller. Or, think of it another way, the cattle runs at the airport that guide us to the next TSA uh, agent to in check our luggage and make sure that we're not on the no-fly list. So well, that brings up another analogy. 
What rational person would be willing to get on an airplane if they saw people sneaking past the TSA? I don't know anybody. I, I, yep. well, let, me, let me ask you this security question as well, Michael, as you bring that up. Uh, one, well, two things I, that you bring to mind. You talk about the wall, good analogies. We need a financial wall, you know, some sort of interdiction there because of the money flow. That's one. But also, you know, we're now willingly, and you write about this in your article, there was a time when ports and points were checked, my words for it, ports of entry, points of transit, whereas now they simply are, you know, the agency that you once worked for and now in its modern form takes people to these bus stops, to these train stations. And I had a congressman on last week who got on an airplane with 14 families carrying brown envelopes. We don't know who these people are for sure. The vetting isn't there. I can't walk onto an airplane without giving every form of ID. You can't do it, but yet illegal aliens are being allowed to transit on airplanes. It's remarkable. And let's look at something else. When was the last time you saw an airplane used in a terror attack? Since 9-11, I don't know of a single case. There were a couple of plots that were thwarted, but we haven't seen a successful terror attack involving airplanes. The, the vehicle of choice today are trucks and cars. That's why you have all these barriers for truck bombs and car bombs. And what are we doing? Giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens who, in the parlance of the open borders anarchists, uh, are undocumented. What does that mean? We have no idea who they are. So we're putting people behind the wheel of vehicles that we know can be used and have been used, not just in America, but around the world in conjunction with terror attacks. And we're clueless as to who they are. And in New York, this genius governor of ours, Mr. Cuomo, not only gives driver's licenses to the illegals, but blocks DMV information from Homeland Security. Think about it. You want to know whose car that is? You're doing a surveillance Submit a subpoena, and then a couple of weeks, when we have time, after our third cup of coffee, maybe we'll give you part of the information. We need real time at the border. So anybody with a New York driver's license or a New York registered vehicle can drive anywhere in the country, drive into Mexico, come back, and when the inspector at the port of entry types in the license plate, it comes back unavailable. So we're giving driver's licenses to people who may be terrorists. We're doing everything we can to obstruct border security. And there's been a succession of hearings about how Hezbollah, working in close coordination with the human traffickers throughout Latin America, are moving people and narcotics into the United States, including sleeper agents. And last week, there was a disturbing report about how Al-Qaeda is using Iran as a staging area, and Iran is working with nuclear materials. Let's connect all those dots. So you've got Iran all over Latin America with Hezbollah, a terrorist organization, according to our State Department, working with human traffickers to move people and narcotics and God knows what else into our country, and we're being told this is acceptable. This is lunacy. It's a prescription for disaster. You know, look at the cars, by the way. In 1993, we had an attack at the Central Intelligence Agency. A guy by the name of Kansi, a Pakistani who had applied for political asylum, drove a courier van into the parking lot of the CIA, jumped out with an AK-47, opened fire, killed two CIA officers, and wounded three others and fled the country. One month later, an illegal alien, visa violator, drove a truck with a bomb into the garage of the Trade Center, and the truck had been rented by another illegal alien. 
and we're not learning the lessons. After 9-11, you know, I testified before 17 congressional hearings in the House and Senate, including two for, at the behest of Sheila Jackson Lee, who went after Bush because he refused to hire as many agents for ICE and the Border Patrol as he was authorized. He refused to, to buy as many detention beds as he was authorized and given the money for. And the Democrats and the Republicans were pretty much on the same page, except Bush created DHS in violation of the Homeland Security Act, believe it or not. The way he divided immigration in half, customs and border protection violated the law. The way that he combined customs and agriculture and TSA and all the other agencies with immigration, that also violated the law. The focus was supposed to be immigration because that was the failure that not only allowed 9-11 to happen, but allowed many other attacks in the past and since then to happen. So you have a president who's there with 9-11, who creates the Department of Homeland Surrender, as far as I'm concerned. And now we've got Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, or Homeland Surrender, as I call it, for, for Biden. This guy was a deputy in charge of DHS under Obama. The Office of Inspector General investigated allegations that he was involved in politicizing the issuance of visas that have been used by terrorists and found that he did, in fact, politicize the process to Terry McAuliffe at the behest, I guess, of the Clintons, God only knows, he ordered his people get to yes, approve all these applications for visas when immigration fraud and visa fraud were the key methods of entry and embedding for the terrorists. In fact, that was the topic of my very first hearing back on May 20th, 97, four years before 9-11, because of the two terror attacks in 93. And now you've got a guy that they're proposing for the Border Patrol, for the CBP, which oversees both the inspectors and ports of entry, a job I did for four years before I became an agent, and the Border Patrol. This guy is the Tucson police chief who, when he was approached by the Border Patrol because an alien in custody had escaped, they said, hey, chief, can you have some of your cops help us? He said, I don't help immigration. That's a terrible thing to do. Nobody would cooperate with the police if we help immigration law enforcement. You're on your own. This guy. Let, let's go to another part of your article, Michael, because I, I don't want to lose all the time. And okay, look, you're sure. hitting great, you're hitting great points on connecting the dots here. So another dot I want to connect because there's a lot of this, and you you know, look, you and I cover this. You write about it uh, frequently. You go on, you talk about it, you come on this show. But you made another but point in here that. that's being ignored, and this is the drug connection. Between yes. the Sinaloa cartel, the Jalisco cartel, new generation—that's yeah, the new version of it—and uh, it's not just that, but it's the Chinese synthetic drug suppliers. Now, Mexico's our border; China is not. But yet, right. Chinese—the Chinese government, the Communist Party—allows for Chinese synthetic drug suppliers to continue to ship fentanyl and other synthetic drugs, marijuana, others, through to the United States, and they're being held by the cartels. This is one case where you would think the executive branch would be saying, we need to do something about Chinese leadership, allowing this to happen, knowing it comes to the U.S. This is a broken system in that part. Oh, I agree and it's with deliberate. you. By the way, China is also laundering the drug money for the cartels. Think about that. They're the primary source for fentanyl, which is so lethal that uh, there was an apartment raided a couple of years ago in New York, and they said that there was enough fentanyl to kill something like 10% of the U.S. population or 20% of the U.S. population. It's that lethal, and the primary source country for fentanyl is China. 
working with the cartels to move that garbage into our country where it's killing children. So where's the Biden administration on this? And we know where Alexander Mayorkas stands. But this is a case where the Biden administration has failed because the executive should protect the nation from an attack in principle and in reality. You would think. But they're not. And this brings us back to, well, look at the dealings that, that Joe Biden purportedly or his son purportedly has with China. Uh, very disturbing stuff. Is he able to be honest and objective in dealing with China? How could he say that what's, on the, what's going on on the border isn't a crisis? I wrote an article for the American conservative. I write for them as well. I've got an article coming out tomorrow about the impact on jobs and immigration. But I said that the reason they refused to use the term crisis was more than semantics because it's what they want to see happening. There's too much money being involved, and if you have no scruples and no morality, and you don't care, I guess, about America, I know those are tough things to say about the President of the United States, but what conclusion can you come to when the border is flooded, when we've been warned about terrorists flowing across the southern border, and when you consider that on 9-11, just 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, and the death count from 9-11 is continuing to this very day, people dying of the toxins they were exposed to when the towers came down. So how in the world do you not understand the imperative, the absolute need to secure that border, enforce the immigration laws, and if we don't enforce the laws from within the interior of the United States, we're sunk anyway, because Biden is allowing a human tsunami to flow from the border to the interior of the United States. We only have about 6,000 ICE agents. Most of them are doing anything but immigration, going back to the way that uh, DHS was created in the first place. I had an argument with Michael Chertoff years ago. We both spoke in Chapman Law School. We were sitting in the back of a stretch limo. It's probably the longest 45 minutes of Michael Chertoff's life. And I said, we need more ICE agents. He said, where are you going to get the money? I said, this is the United States of America. We have well over a million members of the armed forces and 6,000 ICE agents for immigration and customs enforcement, and most of them aren't doing immigration work, and we're talking about national security, and he, and he stared out the window and didn't know how to answer me. That's well, this problem. is part of the problem, is the failure to deal with it, and whether it's money, yes, profiteering, way. or politics, way. or ideology. Michael, I've got to go to break here. You know how this works, my friend. Great article, some points that people need to think about. The profiteering... And then why aren't we dealing with China? There's a lot of takeaways in this piece, but those two for me are two that don't get enough discussion when we actually should be dealing with them head on. Thank you for having me on. By the way, go to my website. It's michaelcutler.net. Check out the article with front page and also the American conservative. Uh, Be well, David. Thank you again. Thank you, Michael. The profiteers off the Biden administration's open borders policy. You're paying the price for the profiteers. You can join me live on the David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.